This is the podcast where we share the tips and tricks we learn on our journey to build wealth through real estate. Welcome to the Hello Haymarket podcast. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hello Haymarket. My name is Daniel Nice, and today we decided to interview some folks from a wonderful title company here in the area, Champion Title. Guys, welcome so much and introduce yourselves, please. Uh, I'm Chaley Volk. I'm one of the attorneys with Champion Title. Awesome. Hey, I'm Ryan Capel, and uh, I don't know what I do at Champion Title. I guess I'm... Uh, helping with our sales and marketing and business development. Awesome. Jack of yeah. all trades. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you guys on is because uh, a lot of the folks that I talk to have maybe never been involved in a real estate transaction before. They've heard a couple podcasts, maybe Bigger Pockets or something like that. They're excited about the idea of building wealth. They're excited about the idea of maybe owning where they live, at least as a starting point. Um, but if I bring up the idea of hey, let's put together your team. You're going to need an inspector, you're going to need a lender, and you're going to need a title company. And I ask them, what title company do you want to go with? They usually have no idea what a title company is because <laughs> they're yeah. brand new. Yeah. So I thought it would be good for you guys to kind of give us some, uh, some explanation on what it is that a title company is, what do you do, and why, why is it important to have one on your team? So... Um, you know, you're going through this process of the exciting process of buying your first home, right? And uh, we're sort of the afterthought of the experience, but we're a very important afterthought. Behind the scenes, we're sort of like the the quarterback of the transaction, you could say, or something like that, um, because we're we're the we're the person involved with all different parties of the transaction, kind of making it all come together for the time of closing, and even after closing, we have a role. So um, just, to, just to start off, I say, you know, you're working with a great agent like Daniel. Um, he's probably gotten you pre-approved with a lender so you know how much home you can afford, right? You identify that, that uh, dream property, you write the offer, it gets accepted, and now you have a ratified deal. But in that contract, there's a section where it asks for the settlement agent. And that's another term for title company in our area, sort of interchangeable um, terms. Oh, the roles are, are a little different, which we can get into a little later. But um, that contract is then sent over to us, and that's where we kind of get started. And there's the, the title side, I guess I'll kind of get into it. The title side, and there's the, the settlement or escrow side of the business. Um, we'll open up a file, right, on, the, on our side, on the settlement side of the business. Um, which means we're going to look at that contract. Somebody like Chaley is going to review the contract, one of our attorneys, understand all the details of when the closing's happening, um, all the parties involved, the timelines associated. Uh, simultaneously, we're going to kick uh, an order over to our title abstractor, who's going to do a search in the land records of that particular property. And just like a car has a chain of title, um, every single piece of property has a chain of title, chain of ownership. So um, even new construction, people will say, hey, well, like, do I need to work with a title company? I'm the first person to own this property. Well, it's like, no, it was a farm before. It was, you know, you're not the first, right? So, um, so we'll get a report back from that title abstractor that just shows who's owned the property for how long. Were there any liens on the property before the judgments? And you can probably get into what those are later. Um, were they properly released at the last transaction? Is, is title clear for, for you to proceed? Um, so that's sort of the title side of things. If you have a lender involved, they really care about what that report looks like because they have an interest in the property too. If they're providing you a loan, um, if somebody were not to not make their mortgage payments, then it becomes the lender's property essentially. Yes. <laughs> right. So they care. They want they want the title to be clean. Um, because then they know the property is worth what you know the comparable properties would be worth. So, um, and then I'll, I'll fast forward to the settlement side again. 
we have a processor involved. This is the person that the, the client would be dealing with just on collecting some of the information we'll need towards closing. So they'll get a buyer welcome packet um, where they can kind of fill that information out. And then, you know, we're co- coordinating that processor's working with the, the lender, the agent, home inspector, um, appraisal company, whatever it might be, all the different parties in the transaction, putting everything together, working with the lender, finalizing the documents before closing. And then at closing, it's more of a celebration, a review of almost a receipt of the transaction, sort of the Mm -hmm. settlement statement, um, signing all the lender documents, some title documents. And then after closing, we go and we record the the new owner as the owner of the property and the county land records. We disperse funds to all the parties involved. So we have a really important job handling the money in the transaction. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> now I should just be quiet because that was way too <laughs> That was, no, that was but great. just an overview. No, yeah, like that, that was a very powerful overview. Uh, if I was to, correct me if I'm wrong, tell me if I have this captured correctly. If I was to explain this to someone, um, what problem is being solved when you hire a title company? I would usually answer them by saying, well, fundamentally it's trust. Because when you're handling this much money, you wanna make sure you're not being defrauded. You wanna make sure that what you've agreed to is gonna be handled correctly. Mm -hmm. Like you're not gonna just hand them the money and then wait and hope that it worked out, right? Right. You wanna have that third party in between who's gonna be uh, not necessarily adjudicating, but is gonna make sure that one person can trust the other one because there's a process that's being followed. Yeah, we're essentially Switzerland. You know, we have to hold, (laughs) yeah, we're we're holding, You know, a lot of times the seller will sign early. So, you know, the seller is, you know, a little bit reticent sometimes to hand us the deed because they've essentially signed over ownership of their property to um, the buyer. Mm -hmm. We have to hold that deed in escrow until we receive all the lender funds, the buyer funds, and the buyer signs their documents. So we're essentially an escrow agent in that that sense. Um, Until the buyer signs all of their documents, we receive lender funds and lender um, and buyer, buyer funds. So all of that gets held in escrow with us until the settlement is completed. So we can't do anything with um, any of the buyer funds if the buyer sends their funds early. We can't do anything with the lender documents or the seller documents until all of that is completed. So um, in that sense, you know, the, the buyer is a little bit nervous about sending money. They wouldn't want to send money to the seller early. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> the seller wouldn't want to hand the deed over to the buyer early. So there's got to be kind of a middleman, essentially. Yeah, someone who holds on to both. Right. We don't have a skin in the game, really. You know, so, you yeah. know, the buyer's going to send all their stuff to us. Seller's going to send all their stuff to us until everybody does what they're supposed to do. We're going to hold on to it. Um, so yeah, you're you're exactly right. You know, it solves the problem of trust. Right. You, you use the term third party, so that's what we are, right? Like we're um, we represent the contract, not right. either party. Yeah. We're a neutral third party. Right. And I and think sometimes people get a little bit um, confused ups- about that. They do, and they get a little bit upset because they're like, especially with the attorneys. You know, they're yeah. like, "Well, you're my attorney. Well, I'm not your attorney. I'm actually Champion Title's attorney. In a sense, we represent Champion Title in the in the." And that, and, and again, we represent the contract. Yeah, We're there right. to make sure that the contract is, is carried and out. And that's a really important distinction because right. what happens is in an ideal world, buyer and seller see eye to eye and there's never any conflicts. Right. But we don't live in that world. We don't. We live in a world where buyer and seller have opposite interests a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, the is the classic thing that a real estate agent has to deal with all day long, right? The buyer wants it for the cheapest price and the seller wants exactly. it for the highest, right? So they're going to have uh, uh, competing interests. Yeah. And that can sometimes get very contentious, Yeah, uh, especially if the letter of the contract is not followed by yeah. one of those parties. And this is where having an arbiter in between who doesn't have a dog in either side of yeah. the fight can help call balls and strikes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's 
uh, back up and see how would a first-time home buyer interact with you? What's the? F I, I imagine the first thing that would happen would be having the decision once you have a ratified deal, or actually before you even have a ratified deal, let's back up farther. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you write an offer to buy a house, you have to name your settlement agent. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that would probably be the first time that they would come into contact. And how do people usually determine who their settlement agent would be? I think that's why it's important, you know, like where you have a trusted agent. There are hundreds of title companies. If you look in the phone book on Google, there's a title company on every corner of the road. And so no buyer, especially a first time home buyer, has any idea you know, who a reputable title company is. And in theory, every title company does the same job, but in practice, title companies are vastly different. They really are. And you, know, you probably know from doing yes. you know, <laughs> all, all, yes. you know, business that um, uh. it is super, super important to partner with somebody who you can trust, right? And and yeah. title companies in practice are can be very, very different. And it's important to partner with a title company, um, not only the one that you trust, but one that can meet your specific needs. And you know, to, in my mind, it's important to partner with you know, especially from an agent's perspective, uh, somebody who has processors. You know, like Ryan was talking about processors who are experienced and responsive. Um, somebody who has good technology who has attorneys on staff and things like that. Yeah. Buyers have no idea. They don't They don't know these things. They're not gonna spend the time to shop around and try and figure out who's got good processors, who doesn't, who's got a good reputation. So they rely on you, yeah. really. Um, so I think, you know, from that perspective, most of the time the buyers are gonna rely on their real estate agent to find a good title company. I, I found that to be valid in my experience as well, um, where if you're trying to find someone to solve this trust problem, you're right. In theory, any person could be set to work to fix a problem. Yeah. But every title company is different because they employ different people. Mm -hmm. People are what make up a business. Yeah. Some people are great at their jobs. We all know some people who are not. Yes. <laughs> right? We all know some people in our own lives where maybe, you know, they're employed, and that's about as much as you could say politely about them, right? Right. And if you're trying to solve the problem of trust, you want someone who comes heavily referred. Right, because if that person doesn't have any referrals, and then you trust them with one of the most important roles in this entire transaction, right? The intermediary calling balls and strikes, that's not something that you should be trusting to chance. The other piece I think is important is you know, who does the title company underwrite these title insurance policies through? Yes. Um, and again, a, the buyer wouldn't know that. Exactly, right? yeah. like the, the buyer wouldn't. But if you were really digging, if somebody was like, I really want to you know, try to figure out which title company I want to use. Right, and, that's a good... And they, they, you know, some people who buy a lot of properties may go to that level yeah. of like, would my title insurance policy that's being issued to protect me and the lender, you know, which title insurance underwriter is it written through? How reputable is that company? Because if there were ever... And we're getting into title insurance, which yeah. I don't know if we want to go down that path or not, but... Um, you know, some of these, the underwriters that we use are, you know, the Top largest tier, yeah. in the nation. They've been around for 100 plus years. Yeah. You, you know. But um, those are good things for a buyer to investigate if they're. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well, maybe we should actually yeah. pause and actually give a few definitions. <clears throat> so uh, let's actually back up and talk about escrow. What is escrow for people who have never heard that term before? I mean, escrow is essentially, you know, your third party holding on to the money for you. So. Um, 
you know, we're we're holding your EMD for you as a buyer, so that's being held in escrow. That's EMD. your second. So that's I was going to say. Yeah. You so said, you, you, you said <laughs> writing, money deposit. Writing the contract right is the first time probably. The next time is oh, there's an earnest money deposit. It's that's your right. you know your skin in the game. It's your skin in the game. Who's holding it? Usually the escrow settlement yeah. company is holding it. So usually you're writing that out to champion title. It's coming to us. We have a really cool app where you can, you know, take a picture of the check and it can instantly Very come through and you can be confirmed. Again, right? it's the technology aspect. Right, that's of helpful. It, yeah. um, that's helpful. But I was thinking as you're saying, like, let's, you know, where does the uh, interaction right. begin? And, and, and that's little, probably the first part. And little things like that can make a big difference because if you're a first-time home buyer and you are competing in a in a competitive environment like mm -hmm. we find ourselves in this year. And uh, let's say you've written in a contract that you're going to make your EMD deposit in the next five days, the next three days, yeah. the next two days. Right. Um, you need a title company that has this kind of flexibility so you can actually make that deposit on time. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you've only got three days to do it and you're working all three of those days, when are you going to find the time to drive to their office to yeah. hand them a check? Yeah, right? we had buyers in Japan the other day. I'm like, how is a you know, buyer yeah, in Japan going to do it? it? They got they to use the, the our app. Yeah. You know, yeah. or, yeah, having some technological solutions to right. these convenience problems. Yeah. Um, and, and let's actually speak to that for a second. What would happen if the buyer failed to uh, uh, uphold their side of the contract? Theoretically, that skin in the game now uh, is, is at risk. At risk. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's where the lawyer comes in. That's where the yeah. lawyer comes you, you, in. Yeah, you say, hey, look at this contract, <laughs> yeah. and are we in trouble here? Yeah, you <laughs> <he> could be. <laughs> right. yeah. So does that money just automatically go to the seller? No. I mean, the way the contract is written now, no, but it does give the seller the option to void the contract if the buyer doesn't get their money in. Yeah. So, yeah. so in order for that earnest money deposit to, let's say, uh, somebody messes up, mm -hmm. and now they are in violation of the contract somehow, and that at-risk money is now being demanded by the seller, right? What actually happens? It sits in our escrow account until an agreement is reached. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize that yeah. either, right? They yeah. don't realize that just because it's at risk doesn't mean that it's automatically like gone, no. right? There, there is a, a, a process. Yes. So, um, and I've run through this, right? When you run through enough uh, transactions, you work with good title companies, you work with some bad title companies, because maybe you don't get, uh, the, as an agent, I don't get to choose who the title company is, right? That's gonna be named by the buyer. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember there was a time when I think you could even split, but I don't think that's possible anymore, right? You can't, you can't technically split title companies, but as a seller, you can choose to be represented by an attorney. So a lot of, you know, sometimes people will now ask um, Case and Associates, which is my law firm, mm -hmm. um, to represent the seller. So Champion Title technically can't represent the seller, but our law firm can represent the seller. But yeah. but you're right, Champion Title can't, we can't do a split closing anymore. Yeah, yeah. that changed of... March well, of last year. March of yeah. last year, yeah. So that's another thing, paying attention. Yeah. Just because you sold a house or bought a house, you know, 10 years ago doesn't mean that you still know the rules. Yeah. So right. getting a current recommendation from a title company that is uh, actively in the market, participating, is, I think, another important thing. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so if you were to violate that contract and that earnest money deposit is uh, now sitting in the account until you said an agreement is reached, how long do they have to come to an agreement? I mean, it, they don't. I mean, it, I think eventually, and it really depends on the title company, um, it, I mean, eventually we would interplead it to the court and let the court deal with it. Yeah. Um, we have money in our escrow account for years sometimes. Yeah, which is... Uh, 
tough for the person who put the money there. Oh, it's <laughs> awful. It's awful. And, and, and just watching the value erode from inflation. <laughs> yeah. We've had uh, like, you know, for post-occupancy deposits sitting in our escrow account because mm -hmm. people are just bitter and they don't want the other person to have it. They won't reach an agreement. And, you know, despite everybody's best efforts to work something out, why don't you split it? Why don't you do this? They just do not want to work anything out. And they'd rather just have it sit in there than split anything. Yeah. So yeah. It's a people business, and mm -hmm. sometimes people are reasonable. And sometimes they're people. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they're people. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so let's say, um, so we did step one. We've chosen a title company, put it in our offer. Offer gets ratified. Step two, we, we make our earnest deposit on time. What is happening next? So next, the contract goes to us. Um, we send it to our orders department, it gets opened, and a processor is assigned. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, um, uh, paperwork gets sent out to the agent, paperwork mm -hmm. gets sent out to the buyer, um, to the seller, if we have the seller, seller isn't being represented by somebody else, um, and to the listing agent. Um, and we're soliciting all kinds of information, you know, social security numbers, forwarding addresses, requests for um, you know, what kind of title insurance people want, how they want to take title. There's different ways that people can hold title. We can get into that later too. Uh, but all kinds of information at that point. Um, and at that point, as Ryan said, we order the title work. Um, so at that point, the buyers and sellers are going to be making contact with the title company. Mm -hmm. um, they're going to be introduced to the processor. Um, and the processor is really their main point of contact and probably the most important person on the file at that point. The yeah. attorneys like to think that we're the most important part, but we're, <laughs> we're really not. Um, if we get involved, it's it's problematic. So you really yeah. don't want us to be involved. You don't want to know <laughs> right, that we exist. Right. Um, um, important to have you, kind of like a catastrophic health insurance, right? Kind you hope of, you but never you don't, need it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but the processor, frankly, and and the pre-processor, you'll probably see, yeah. we usually have pre-processors and they're mm -hmm. the people that are ordering um, payoffs and things like that. Um, but so, so what, what problem is being solved by all this work, right? It seems like a lot of work, a lot of paperwork. Mm -hmm. what, what problem is being solved that if you weren't in the picture, the, the poor buyer would be worried about? <laughs> um, well, it's just that there's a lot of information that has to be gathered. And I don't know that um, individuals would be able to, to gather this information on their own. Yeah, um, I think it, job. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and I think that's a lot of... Um, is, is it like keeping us in compliance with Virginia law, or is it just allowing the different parties to have what they need in order to move forward on time? I think it's both of that. Um, and I think, you know, it, again, it's it's back to, um, I think it's a lot of compliance, but I think it's a lot, of, again, back to the trust issue, mm -hmm. you know, of knowing that the person who's supposed to be getting the money that they're supposed to be getting is getting the correct amount of money. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of prorations that happen at closing. Yeah. Um, because you bring up a good point. Uh, a lot of people think, well, there's a buyer, there's a seller, and that's mm -hmm. it. Well, there's a lot of other people who have their hands out for money at yeah. the closing table. Yeah, right? the county. The county, yep. that's one. Who else we got is a, is a common one. HOA. The HOA, yep. the state, right? Um, and there's things that have been paid in advance, like HOA dues, and you've got to figure out who paid it in advance, who owes what back to whom. Yeah. The, you know, taxes are due to the county at some point. Um, is it going to be paid out of the seller's escrow account in advance? We've got to worry about that. If it's going to be paid out before closing, we've got to, you know, uh, prorate it back to the seller. Mm -hmm. um, if the lender for the buyer is going to be collecting escrows in advance, we've got to make sure that that gets paid. It's just... There's a lot. There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot of money moving around and, between and, a lot of different hands. And, and that's not uh, even mentioning the title 
yeah. side of it. Yeah. You're talking, underst- yeah. yeah, understandably, if you don't do it every day, <laughs> right. you, why would you know that, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> And that's a typical experience. Fast forwarding a little bit uh, ahead of ourselves, when a, when a client sits down and they're looking at the settlement sheet mm-hmm. and they're looking at who where all the money's going, a lot of the time, I feel like the buyer feels like it's the first time they've ever seen it. Yeah. And it all got handled for them. And now they're able to review it and make sure it looks correct. But oftentimes they have questions because they're it's like, oh, I didn't even realize X, Y, Z. If I had well, done this by myself, I would have missed it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like escrows are probably the most important, uh, most confusing thing for buyers too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the thing that holds people up the most at closing. I don't know about you, if like, you yeah. know, for your closings, people get confused the most about escrows. Yeah. Is it paid in arrears? Is it paid in a, yeah. is it being paid and back? Why am is I it... paying my homeowner's insurance up front? And then I'm also paying into escrow and... Yeah, so I think it's, it's a lot confusing. of information for buyers when they look at that whole long settlement statement. Yeah. It's a lot of numbers. Yeah. So. Well, that's the benefit of having attorneys on staff. There are at least very veteran settlement agents who... It's a good point. It's not just that here, here's the documents you need to sign to complete the transaction. It's actually we can explain what each thing is, yes. answer questions that you have, Cause, take, cause I, take the time that's required to make people feel comfortable. Because I've had big, the opposite. Yeah. I've had the opposite where you know we weren't <clears throat> fortunate enough to be working with a champion title. Right. We had somebody else, and the client was like, well, what is this document? I don't know. And it's the not. person just kind of <laughs> like shrugged. <laughs> And I was like, well, here, give it to me. Maybe I've seen it before. Oh <laughs> and I kind of did the best I could for him because, right. I mean, what else was I going to do? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I could have called you guys and be like, hey, do me a solid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, having someone who has that bedside manner, who's been trained, who's got experience, and who knows how to actually help the client through. Um, because a lot of the time there is no problem, but the lack of trust creates a problem. Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, okay, so rewinding back then, I imagine one of the next question marks that is going to be interacted with with the client is this decision surrounding uh, insurance, surrounding especially the the title insurance. Mm-hmm. Do we want to like make definitions and talk about that? Yeah, that or or how do you want to hold title? I think those are yeah. the two big remaining yeah. pieces. Yeah. Let's go through those. You, you got it. Um, so yeah. title insurance, I think um, people see that, well, first of all, there's two different kinds of title insurance. Um, And on the settlement statement, people will see lender's title insurance and owner's title insurance. Lender's is, if you get a loan, it's required. There's almost no circumstance under which you won't have to pay for lender's title insurance. Um, And the lender almost always makes you pay for it as a buyer. I think the only time you probably wouldn't have lender's title insurance is if it's, you know, like a family loan or something like that. Um, We're giving you $500,000. You're, in exchange, you're going to cover our insurance policy in case something was missed or yeah. wrong or yeah. fraudulent, fraudulent, so that our interest in the yeah. property is protected. It's pretty fair, I think. Yeah. Like, honestly, yeah. some people are like, I don't want to pay it, but like, you, you know, don't have a choice. You Do you want the loan or not? Right, yeah. right. Kind of, right. Yeah. And and that um, it's it's every time you get a loan, you have to buy a new lender's title insurance policy. Yeah. So that that not our rule. And, and, and fundamentally, rule. what what is it protecting you from? It's insurance in case of... It doesn't protect you. It protects the lender. And that, that loan guarantees the lender's priority. So we're, mm-hmm. we're not we, the title insurance company, Chicago Title Insurance Company, First American, is guaranteeing the lender of their priority. So if you are, you know... Um, Home Savings or Chase or whoever the lender is, and you're giving a borrower $500,000 to buy this house, 
that title company is saying, title insurance company is saying to the buyer, or to, excuse me, to the lender, listen, you're giving them $500,000 to buy this property. We're guaranteeing you that you are in first lien position, that there's nobody else that has a priority higher than yours. So if, you know. Yeah, uh, what would ever trigger that to be invoked? Um, if there's a foreclosure right. or, you know, a tax sale or um, if for some reason um, their lien is not enforceable, like if we didn't record it correctly or something like that. Gotcha. So like nobody errors. can leapfrog you to the money mm-hmm. gotcha. that you're owed for the property. Or, or if somebody does that yeah. the yeah. title insurance uh, company is going to pay them. Yeah. So. And, so, and by you, we're referring to the mortgage company in this case. Yes, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So it's, a, it's just something that protects their interest in yeah. the property. Okay. Now there is... You'll get into next. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, if they refinance, they have to pay for another lender's another title one. insurance policy. So then, so that's always required. The second title insurance number that they're going to see on there is owner's title insurance. And that's an optional one. Um, I am not somebody who goes out and buys every warranty that you'll see on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I go buy a refrigerator, I don't get the warranty. I don't get the, you know, extended warranty for my tires when I buy a car. I'm not the like a nervous person as far as that's concerned, but I would never not buy owner's title insurance. That's just my own personal. Um, that's everybody thought. that works at our company. Like, yeah. it's like when we buy a house, yeah. we're like, too many horror stories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I could tell you some horror stories if you're interested. I'm happy I, I to share those. I think that would actually be illustrative yeah. of what it is and how yeah. it functions. Yeah. Um, but anyway, owner's title insurance, I'll, t- I'll tell you some stories in a second, but owner's title insurance essentially um, insures the buyer against loss um, if anybody else can claim an interest in the property or um, if there's a defect in title. So, um, and then people will say, well, aren't you doing a title search? You know, if you're doing a title search, then I don't see what the problem is. Or mm-hmm. to Ryan's earlier point, you know, um, this was new construction. Nobody else owned this house before me. Well, sure, nobody owned the house, but we're not insuring the house. We're insuring the land underneath the house. Mm-hmm. And plenty of people owned that land before the builder did. <clears throat> Yeah. Um, so, yes, we did a title search, but title searches are done by human beings, and the indexing mm-hmm. of the records is done by human beings, and human beings make mistakes. Um, and there are things called hidden defects, um, things like um, forgeries in the chain of title that even if we were very careful and the indexing was done correctly, nobody can see that. Um, yeah. uh, things like um, coerced deeds, if somebody was coerced to sign a deed, nobody could see that. Yeah. Um, hidden heirs that nobody knew about, or if, um, you know... Like a, in an inheritance a, situation? Yeah, yep. or, you know, if um, <clears throat> a tax payment was incorrectly um, levied or, or, you know, incorrectly applied against a property, and it turns out, you know, now that was incorrectly applied, and turns out now that there's a, um, a tax lien against a property because the tax payment was incorrectly applied to the wrong property or something. So there are all kinds of crazy things that can happen, um, and that owner's title insurance policy protects you against um, a loss um, if something like that does happen. Mechanics so, so mm-hmm. like that's yeah. really common, right? Mechanics like somebody things, yeah. before you didn't pay the contractors yep. and they, gotcha. they yep. file a so lien like on the property. So hypothetically, you buy a house, someone comes and takes you to court and they win <laughs> in court. Yeah. Uh, and you have no owner's title insurance Protecting policy. you against loss means what? Does it mean a payout or does it mean you keep the house? Well, it depends on – that's sort of up to the title insurance company how they want to handle it. They could either defend you in court. Um, they could pay out. You know, if, if you, there's a judgment against you, they could choose to, you know, pay the judgment. So it really just depends on the situation. But So the point being they're going to protect you against loss, and that's going to look different depending on the circumstances. Yes. So I hear that there's actually two different types of – insurance for title insurance for, for, for the homeowner. Yeah. Can you clarify that? Because I know that that's a decision point that they have to yeah. figure out. Do you want to take that 
Uh, sure. So there's the lender's title insurance, which is essentially the insurance that protects the lender's interest in the property. And if you're getting a loan to buy a home, you pretty much are required to pay for lender's title insurance. And then there's owner's title insurance, which is optional to the purchaser. And uh, there's actually two different types of owner's title insurance as well. And so as a buyer going through the process, you'll receive uh, a welcome packet from our processor, and it kind of explains the types of title insurance involved, pros and cons, and then one of the attorneys will reach out and see if there's any questions involved and um, help the buyer make the selection. We do like uh, to know if they're going to purchase title insurance earlier in the process ahead of the closing, just so the questions have been answered and that that just makes the day of celebration smoother and better, I think. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely one of the questions I I get hit with from the buyer sometimes is like, hey, uh, for this homeowner's title insurance, uh, first of all, do I need this? And yeah. if I do need it, which of the two types am I getting? <laughs> right. And I would say in terms of avoiding problems at closing, if we're talking about making your closing go smoother, um, switching types of title insurance at closing is something you want to avoid if possible. So making that decision ahead of time is super important for a buyer um, because, and I think buyers don't sometimes don't understand this, that changing numbers at closing um, uh you know, you have to go back to the lender. The lender has to redo their numbers. It's not just a matter of us changing our numbers on the settlement statement and, you know, printing a new settlement statement out and everything's good to go. Uh, we've got to go back to the lender. They've got to approve everything, reprint documents. Um, and, and so it takes a while. So it's going to delay their closing a little bit. Um, you know, but to Ryan's point, there are two different kinds of title insurances that lenders that buyers can choose from. There's a standard and an enhanced um, the enhanced is maybe 120% of the cost of, yeah. so it's a little bit more expensive than the standard owner's title insurance, but it covers um, more, obviously, than the, the standard title insurance covers. So the standard title insurance, I think we talked about this briefly before, will cover you against um, things like hidden title defects, mechanics liens, um, undiscovered errors, that kind of thing. Um, the enhanced will cover you against all of those things, but it'll also cover you against uh, mechanics liens that happen after closing. So in a standard title insurance policy, for example, um, if the seller does work on the home, um, as long as that lien is filed before closing, um, you're covered. If a lien is filed after closing and you only bought standard title insurance, then your your title insurance won't cover it. But if you have enhanced title insurance, it will cover it, as long as the work was done prior to closing. Um, the enhanced will also cover you for forgeries that are filed or forgeries done after the closing happens. Um, I know that's something that people are um, increasingly worried about. Um, standard title insurance will cover you for forgeries in the chain of title prior to you purchasing your property. And the enhanced title insurance also has um, an inflation rider in it. So as the value of your property increases, the value of your policy will increase as well. Which um, I think is a huge yeah. To me, to that's like enhance. the main yeah. thing. Yeah. My right. ears perked right yeah. up when I heard yeah. protect you from inflation. <laughs> yeah, um, and it covers things like um, access to your property, encroachments, um, you know, building code violations, and things like that. Um, so there are definitely benefits to the enhanced policy um, that are well worth it. Yeah. Um, so that's something that's worth talking about and thinking about prior to closing. Um, if you're worth, if you're if you're thinking about getting title insurance, and we definitely definitely recommend it. To me, the house is the most important and probably the most expensive asset that that most people yeah. buy in their lifetime. Um, and if you have a title issue come up, 
um, it's probably two, maybe three hours worth of an attorney's time to fix it, and it's going to cost more than two to three hours of an attorney's time to, to fix it. I mean, yeah. in terms of an hourly rate for an attorney, if you look at the cost of a title insurance policy, it's maybe $1,000, which is a lot. I, I, I'll grant you that when you're at closing, you know, every last dime matters. Yeah. Um, but in the scope of a real estate yeah. transaction, yeah, um, I, I would spend that money personally uh, to protect myself. I would, and and not only that, but if you're gonna go, if you're gonna make the decision to buy it, mm-hmm. let's say five, ten years down the road, you sell the property. Do you keep that file? Do you hundred percent no? Do with it? <laughs> so that's the other thing. So uh, we talked earlier about the fact that the lender's title insurance um, follows the loan. So every time you refinance, if you get a new loan, you have to buy a new lender's title insurance policy. The owner's title insurance lasts your whole lifetime. So even after you sell that property, you want to hold on to the lender's ti- the owner's title insurance policy. Um, you'll never need it, but if you throw it away, that's when you're going to need it because that's the way the world works. That's the right? way the world works. Right? That's right. Um, <laughs> in like- theory, I could own my house and I could sell it to Ryan, and then Ryan could turn around and sell it to you, mm-hmm. and then when you turn around to sell it, your buyer could discover a, a, a problem in the chain of title that we never knew about. Um, you're going to go back to Ryan and say, Ryan, you've got a big problem here, pal. And then Ryan's going to come back to me and say, Chaley, you've got a really big problem. As long yeah. as I have my owner's title insurance problem or policy, it's, it's Chicago Title Insurance's company, company's yeah. problem. It's not my problem to deal with. So, so the moral of the story is don't throw it away. Buy it. And then even if you sell the house, keep, keep the it. insurance document yeah. because if something gets uh, through the chain back to you, yep. you want to be protected. Yeah. There are certain documents that you always want to keep, and you know we always tell people, you know, you never want to throw away your owner's title insurance policy. You never want to throw away any notes mm-hmm. that you get back marked paid, mm-hmm. anything that shows that you've paid off a loan, yeah. anything that says release or certificate of satisfaction, anything that like shows that you've paid off a loan. Those are documents yeah. you never want to throw away. Yeah. So that brings up a good point. What are some other key documents that may be involved in a real estate transaction? Or perhaps a different way of saying this is how how do uh, how do people want to hold title? Chaley, I'm gonna let you take okay. that one as well. So because uh, I, I refer them to Chaley. Yeah. Okay. So there, there's four different ways that people can take title um, as sole owner, and obviously that's only if there's one person on title. Um, and then if there are more than one people on title, there's three different ways. Um, the most uncommon is uh, tenants in common, and that is um, each person has a specific percentage interest in the property. So let's say Ryan and I are buying a property together and we want to be tenants in common. You can have 90%, I'll take 10. Thank you, that's so nice <laughs> What a of gentleman. You. Yeah. He is a gentleman. Um, but that means that when I die, my heirs get my 90% of the property. Mm-hmm. And if Ryan dies, his heirs get his 10% interest in the property. That is a very problematic way to hold title because um, I could sell my 90% interest in the property to mm-hmm. the drug dealer down the street, and Ryan has no say in how I, you know, handle oh, my temper. Ryan, bad deal for mm-hmm. you, man. I should renegotiate that. That's too late. Sorry. <laughs> you made a bad deal. Um, so so that's option it's not two. a great it's not a great way to hold title, but some people really just need to do that, and uh, some people do it for estate planning purposes. So you know, uh, I don't want to dissuade you if that there's a reason why you're doing it. Um, the next uh, m- most common way that people hold title is joint tenants with right of survivorship, and that's usually when people are not married. Mm-hmm. Um, they hold tenants as joint tenants with right of survivorship. So if uh, Ryan and I were dating, and <laughs> 
<laughs> buying a property together, but not living together. We were going to get married at some point, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to buy a property together. And I died. Mm-hmm. That property would go to Ryan when I died. So he would become the sole owner of the property. Gotcha. Um, if we were married, or let's say, how about let's do it if Ryan and his wife brought a property together. That's fine, That's too. better, it's right? Okay. Yeah, if she watches this, is she'd appreciate that. your wife going to watch yeah. this? Yeah. And I, I like his wife. So <laughs> let's say Ryan and his wife buys property together. Yeah. And they would most likely buy it as tenants by the entirety with yeah. right of survivorship. Yeah. So um, they're going to take title that way, which just means that it's essentially the same thing as joint tenants with right of survivorship, but it's solely mm-hmm. for married couples. Gotcha. So if you're married, you most likely want to hold title as tenants by the entirety with right mm-hmm. of survivorship. Um, Same thing, Ryan dies, his wife gets the property without having to go through probate. Um, The benefit to that is that if uh, Ryan runs over me with a car, for -hmm. example, because he's mad that I sold our other property to a drug dealer, (laughs) my husband sues him uh, and gets a lien, you know, a judgment against him, let's say. That lien cannot attach to the property because it's not against him and his wife. Gotcha. There would have to be a lien against both him and his wife in order for it to, to attach to the property that they own as tenants by the entirety. Gotcha. There's a lot of death here, Chaley. So l- let me, <laughs> very dark. Let me hit you with a, very dark Let here. me hit you with a couple examples, and you tell me what you think I would probably go with. Got if it. I was buying a house like, by like myself. It's like speed round here. <laughs> if I'm buying a house by myself, I'm probably going to go with? Sole ownership. Sole okay, owner. cool. Uh, this if is I'm, yours. If I'm married and buying a house with my wife. Tenants by the entirety. Yes. Tenants by the entirety. All right. What if it's like me and my sister are buying a house? I would say joint tenants with right of survivorship, as gotcha. long as you like her. Yes, because if she poisons me, yeah. and then the next day yeah. she inherits the house. Yes. All right. And then uh, if I've got like a business partner, maybe, and we've decided to go 50-50 on an investment property. You know, I'm going to go with tenants in common on that one. Yeah. That way your heirs get 50%, his heirs get 50%. Okay. Because, you, you know, otherwise then, you know. Yeah, I, I'm, that's what I'm going to go with. I hit all four, right? Yeah. You did. All right. Very nicely yeah. done. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So before we wrap up today, I think let's finish our chronology, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we wrote the offer. We named the title company. We did the earnest money deposit, did all the title search. We decided on insurance. We decided on how we're going to hold title. And we show mm-hmm. up at the closing table. Yes. What could go wrong? So much. <laughs> Um, so, so really, when, when we're at the closing table, what we want is for it to be just a very uh, uneventful signing of documents. Yes. But as we all know, sometimes there are problems because this is a people business. Um, what kind of things could go wrong? Because I think that might be illustrative of what's important to remember going into it. Yeah. You do closings all day, yeah. so you're better equipped to. I would say this. the things that go wrong most often are people show up with expired IDs. Yeah. That's that's a classic one. And that's a critical error because the, whoever's notarizing the documents has to have an unexpired ID. So make sure that you're you have a government issued ID that's not expired. Yeah. Um, I, that almost happened to me this oh. year. One of my clients came in and they were safe by like 2 weeks. Oh they were my gosh. So close. Yeah. <laughs> um you know, sometimes I don't know what it is, but we've had a lot of not names not matching. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, like with like double last names and things like that. So um, mm-hmm. there's not much you can do about that at closing. Um, but not bringing original powers of attorney to closing. So if your client is signing with a, as a power of attorney, um, we have to have the original at closing. So people, yes. you know, not bringing original documents to closing. Um, 
for whatever reason, people sometimes think that um, they don't have to bring money to closing when they actually owe money. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how. I, how think, that, I think they're trying to get one past you. That's maybe. a classic. Yeah, yeah maybe. That's, I don't they know. always try. Yeah, yeah give they, it a shot. Yeah. They didn't realize yeah. that they needed to bring money to closing, or and and I think this is maybe a failure on the the a failure in communication on our part when they didn't maybe realize that they had to bring the money to closing or didn't realize how the money had to come to us. Like, you yeah. know, p- people have owed like 750000 so, so, at closing and didn't realize they couldn't just stroke us a personal check for that. Yeah. So so how does that normally work? Um, as far as the bringing yeah, the money to closing? Paying, yeah, paying yeah. the money. So um, we either have to have a personal, excuse me, I almost said that, uh, <laughs> have to have a, a certified check like cashier's check or mm-hmm. a wire. And mm-hmm. we have to have it at or before closing. Gotcha. Um, no gold bullion. And when it comes with the wire, no suitcase you know. <laughs> of cash, please. We've had that too. Yeah, well, have you really? We, we've been asked yes. about that a lot. Oh my gosh! Oh my God. Yes, yes. Isn't that legal tender though? <laughs> no, yeah. I don't know. I think the world's going cash. It was the drug dealer that I sold yeah. my knife. <laughs> yes. um, the wire situation is always a big yes. one. Title companies are a huge target for wire fraud. Yes. Um, people impersonating. Our emails, maybe they get in through one of the party's Gmail accounts yeah. or something like that, and then they'll they'll use the same font and everything with one letter different in the email address and say, hey, wire your money here really quick. So we always have people call and verify verbally yeah. the wire instructions just to be extra safe. So yeah. when it comes Smart. to when it comes to doing a wire, just just make sure you you know go to their main web page. Don't just go off of an email. Make sure you're talking mm-hmm. with the right person. Yeah, and if somebody ever verify. as a buyer ever emails you and yeah. says, here are the wiring instructions. Don't ever accept wiring instructions via email. Right. Yeah. Ever, 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 yeah. ever, ever. Yeah. It's just, just another good reason why choosing a title company off of referral can be valuable, right? For because sure. when I hand them off to you and I say, hey, this is so-and-so at the title company who I know and have worked with, yeah. it allows you to kind of be like, okay, this is the person on the other end of the phone yep. who I'm already familiar with. Yeah. Exactly. Right? And if you're uncomfortable with the wire, do the cashier's check. I mean, yes. that's, if I have a real estate transaction, I just see too much on the wire fraud side. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to go get the, ca- the cashier's check yeah. personally. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And if it's if the fees change a little bit, well, like if a you can get a check for a little bit larger amount, and then we'll just cut you a check back. Yeah. And if it's oh, right. if it's yeah. under, you know, we can accept a personal check for up to $3,000. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. But all of that is communicated along the way to the buyers by the processor. Right. ahead of time and this is what you need to bring to closing here's a checklist so if you're going through the process don't feel like you need to be taking notes on what we're talking about here you're gonna <laughs> along so, the way so kind of like yeah uh, just work with uh, us and we'll take three, care of it three quick tips for closing make sure your ID's valid yep. <laughs> yes uh, make sure that if you have a power of attorney you're bringing the original yep and uh, make sure that you brought the money right yes right. yeah Okay. Yes. Yep. Basics, but basics are what yeah. matter. Right? That's it, and then we'll take the care of the rest. win championships. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Guys, thank you so much for joining us yeah. today. I think we're just about out of time. Uh, if anybody out there wants to get in contact with you, what's the best way they can do that? Uh, you can email Ryan K. R-Y-A-N-K at championtitle.com. I'll save you a couple emails. If something okay. comes in for you, I'll send it your way. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Perfect, guys. Thank Thanks. you so much. Yeah, I hope to pleasure. have you guys on again in the future. Uh, until then, this is Hello Haymarket. Have a good day. Thank you. Awesome, that was man. fun. That was very fun. Woo. The drug deal. I knew you were going to bring something. I that was good. Something spicy? I, I, I knew you were going to bring something. It was spicy. Mm-hmm. I, I knew it. Thank you for watching this episode of Hello Haymarket. If you'd like to follow our journey or learn more, follow us on Instagram at Hello Haymarket Podcast and subscribe on your favorite streaming platforms. 
We appreciate your support and hope to see you soon on the next episode.